This is a special edition of our podcast. As we were wrapping up 2023, I mentioned to Pastor Caleb that it would be a good idea for us to take a few minutes to discuss our favorite top reads of the last year in the hopes of encouraging some of you to consider reading them for the coming year in 2024. So uh, you can think of it as encouragement. You can think of it as two pastors nerding out because this is probably some of that. So welcome to Nerd Central slash uh, spiritual encouragement for you to <laughs> take up some books and read. Uh, Caleb, why do you read books? I read books because I don't know everything. <laughs> and uh, that, that might sound like a fairly funny way to answer, but I am very curious. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to articulate things better uh, because I'm a pastor, but I also am just curious about how the Bible works and what people have done in history. I also like to be entertained. I'm reading The Count of Monte Cristo right now. Um, It's like 1,200 pages. I started it in the summer, and I just sort of like pick away at it at night. And uh, so I'm about halfway through, and I'm just like entertained by themes of like courage and bravery and vengeance yeah, and sure. you know some of those sorts of things so yeah there's a variety of reasons why i read do you think you would read as much if you were not a pastor you know what pastoring is what got me into reading i was like 20 when i started to read seriously so i've been like reading seriously for about 12 years now before then i mean we homeschooled and my mom would <laughs> would come to us at the beginning of the year and throw a stack of books down and say, here's all the books you need to read this year. And I would not make it through most of them. Bad, 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 bad. But uh, I would slough off on reading all the time. But then I realized if I was going to know anything about the Bible, I needed to uh, be a reader because God's revealed himself in his word. And so on some level, the Christian has to be a reader. They've got to engage with scriptures. They don't have to, you know, read 50 books a year or 25 or even 10 but they need to read on some level. It's good. I think it helps us to engage our minds in worship, to employ them in that way. What would you say to the person who is maybe listened to two minutes of this podcast and is wondering if they're going to listen to any more because I just don't have time to read? Yeah, that's, I mean, there's some like really good helps to reading, right? So like Audible is, I, I don't personally use it, but I know a lot of people that benefit from it. You stick it on in the car and someone reads to you. And there's some books that are like, they've got good voice off um, actors on on some of these books. I mean, just find someone British, right? And you're good to go. Or Scottish. Scottish even better. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> um, and uh, so those are big helps. Uh, honestly, if I, I just saw a stat the other day. If you read, this is just on the Bible. If you read 12 minutes in the Bible a day, you finish the Bible in a year. 12 minutes. I, I think that's the stat. Crossway's got an infographic. And uh, so that's not very much time. And that's the entire Word of God. So then you think about like a 200-page book, which for some people is like monstrous. Mm-hmm. A 200-page book, 12 minutes a day? You're, you're probably finishing that in a month. Easily. Right? Yeah. For an so, average reader, right? Yeah, that's right. So it's a matter of, maybe it's a matter of priority. That's right. Habit. Mm-hmm. Just dedicating time. Uh, a friend of mine tweeted the other day in response to someone saying, if you read more than 20 books a year, you probably don't have a job or children or those types of things. And he pushed back graciously and said, I read over 50 books last year and I have four children and a job. So it is just a matter of, uh, now some people are going to be more inclined to enjoy reading and drawn to it than others. 
but there are ways that we can slowly work our way through a book. The old adage of how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So a page here, a page there, a few pages uh, every so often. You can work your way through a number of books over the course of a year. So That's right. I, I follow a guy who reads over 100 a year, and he's got a pretty intense role at a church and a family and a lot of different commitments. But but he says, I'm not a fast reader. I'm actually a very average reader. The thing is, I love reading, and so I, I set aside time for it. Sure. A lot of time, more time than most people. And so that's how he gets done, 100 or so books a year. Uh, when you look at some of the statistics of the time that we spend doing other things, so I found this infographic near the end of the year. This is more related to the time it takes to read your Bible. So to read the Old Testament, you know, to read the first five books, 13 hours, historical books, 16, the writings, 9, the prophets, 15. Uh, daily time with media globally for people, 495 minutes. That's crazy. Yeah. Average, U.S. average of TV per day, 206 minutes. So take some of those minutes. And uh, we're not trying to be legalistic about it. We're not trying to be smarmy or anything like that about it. But really, it just it helps us to evaluate where our time goes and if we can be using that to engage with things that would edify ourselves, our families, our kids, that would equip us in some topic or uh, area of life that we might be disciplined um, for the purpose of godliness. So, Were you looking at that Crossway infographic? I just came across this on Instagram. It might have been a Crossway source. I just Because uh, I think we're looking at the same thing. And yeah, I just found it. Uh, oh no, that's not the same thing. 12 minutes per day, you could read the whole Bible in a year. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to Sheridan. Maybe we'll stick it in the bulletin that for this good. week. It's, it's well worth reading. So if you're not reading the Bible in a year, we would encourage you to start there. Start with that. But uh, there are also great books that God's people have written in the past and the present to help us engage with God, engage with his word, engage with his world. So what are some of the top? I asked you for top three. You came with seven. Uh, so there's a nerd flex. But I read more books than you last year, so I'll, I'm just, I'll, right. I'll nerd flex back. Well, how many kids' books did you read? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not counting Dr. Seuss. Yeah, I'm not counting. <laughs> I read a lot of picture books last year. There you year. go. Yeah, we're not counting those. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I read. So um, I did a lot of like reading for school last year, and then as Bree was expecting and all that jazz, it was just sort of a different year than normal. And so I read less than normal, but I read a bunch of biographies. I read uh, a couple of biographies on William Tyndale, and uh, he he's really shaped um, the English language um, in a more significant way than even people like Shakespeare. And uh, he did that because he translated um, the scriptures into, like gave it in the English vernacular. There were so many different dialects of English. Mm-hmm. And um, he brought them all together. He actually lived in a very providential and strategic spot in the UK where all of these different dialects were intersecting because of trade. And he took all of his knowledge that way. And And some of the phrasing we would still find in our English translations today. That's right. Jesus, uh, Peter went out and wept bitterly. Yeah. I think is a Tyndale phrase. Yeah. And I'm sure there are many others as well. So, yeah, he's had an influence on how we read the Bible today. So, you know... Yale published a biography on him, David Danielle, um, really good. Uh, it's it's a little bit more scholarly, like pretty in-depth, longer, 
um, but it's it's a very good read. Uh, another more accessible one is written by Steve Lawson. It's part of a series that we actually have in our library, and uh, you know guys like Michael Haken have written in it. Steve Lawson has written the most, but it's called The Daring Mission of William Tyndale, and uh, it's part of a long line of godly men uh, series that uh, Ligonier puts out, and any any one of those titles is really good, but I read that one too, and I gave a little presentation to these seniors. For one of my classes, Pastoral Theology 1, I had to read a book um, for the second time called Memoirs of an Ordinary Pastor, uh, The Life and Reflections of Tom Carson by his son, D.A. Carson, who um, a few more people would know, and it's just a excellent book. I mean, it's, it's one of those ones that you're probably going to reread a few times in your life if you read it once, because... It just shows you that in an age where we value um, the popular pastor, the popular blogger, the popular YouTuber, etc., um, what really matters in the Christian faith is faithfulness to the Lord. And um, Tom Carson had a lot of lows and a few highs in his life, and uh, the Lord uh, used his ministry in amazing ways that um, he probably didn't see until he, he, he died. And he's, the Lord's now using this book on his life in many different people's lives. So this brother ministered in Quebec, tough soil, while Catholicism was mm-hmm. embedded um, in the fabric of the culture there. And uh, he was just an evangelist, a faithful preacher, and really did a lot, um, though he didn't realize it, to um, help the church to thrive. That's great. You've read this one before. Yes, I've read it and enjoyed it immensely, read portions of it again, and like you said, will be one I will likely reread at some point. Uh, before you go on to your next biography, just I pause to say the benefit of reading church history is not merely an historical exercise, but we are exploring the ways that God continues to work in his people and in his church. And so it's the story of God's unfolding progress of redemption. It's not inscripturated like we're reading uh, Genesis through Revelation, although it's part of that story because we're not at the new heavens and the earth yet. So I find it really helpful to think about reading of people from the past in that way. Is How is God working? How did he work at that point, in that place, through that person? So I find that uh, a treasure. Helps you to locate yourself, too. Like, I exist after these historical figures, and so I I am an inheritor of these things that they achieved. But it also helps you to see that, like, if, if it's a well-done biography, it shows you both the foibles and the the high points of the person's life. And so, like, I, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll talk about it next, but I read a little biography on Spurgeon by Arnold Dallimore. I think Dallimore does an ama- He was a Baptist pastor here in southern Ontario, he wrote two volumes on George Whitfield, which are incredible, and uh, he wrote this, um, yeah, it's like two, 230-page book um, towards the end of his life on Spurgeon, and we always think, Prince of Preachers, this guy's like the height of all things Christian, and uh, he does a good job of showing that uh, Spurgeon had blind spots, and he's, he's not trying to point them out, he's just telling the story of his life, and you know, Spurgeon really ended his own life early. Uh, he he worked himself into the grave. Yeah, he was fifty-seven years old only, right? He was he was irresponsible, honestly, mm-hmm. um, with all the things that he did. You know, we always talk about his stats. Like he was part of sixty organizations, preached this many sermons, published this much. Oh, yeah, hundred and fifty volumes of writing, yeah. something like that. So, and it's just like you know what? But it probably killed him. 
And uh, there's probably more he could have done for the kingdom if he had run 20 years longer, right? So I, I found that amazing. Also, there's uh, on page 229, if you get the Banner of Truth version of this book, the, the newest publication, you'll find uh, George Lazell mentioned uh, a letter that was written to his father is included in, in this book, Spurgeon Prays for uh, George Lazell's father, Arthur, his salvation. That letter actually hangs in heritage. Mm-hmm, you can uh, see that. You can right. walk in the library and you can see that on the uh, on the wall. And so, it's, anyway, it's just a little, a neat little book. Read a biography on Herman Bavink, who was a Dutch Reformed theologian. Uh, he wrote four volumes of systematic theology. A, a lot of his, a lot of his writings are now being translated into English, and so uh, there's a lot of um, people talking about this biography, and uh, his works are starting to be. Uh, read and appreciated by English speakers, and so I just wanted to dive in, and my twin brother sent me this book a couple Christmases ago to read, and Great. so I wanted to read that. And then I also read, on the same vacation, I read that one this summer, I read a biography by Ian Murray. Now, Ian Murray has to be one of my favorite authors. I would say, um, if, if if I were only allowed to like take three authors with me onto an island, Ian Murray would have to be one of them. Okay. Um, I just love the way he tells, uh, he gives, like, he puts together biography and uh, some of the traditions that he's in. And Ian Murray must be, like, early 90s right now. I haven't seen much come out from him lately, so he's probably probably just settling into those years where there's uh, difficulty bodily and, mm-hmm. yeah, things are shutting down. So, yeah, really, appre- this is one of his last major works, uh, Prepared to Stand Alone, a biography on J.C. Ryle, and I've just really appreciated J.C. Ryle's works over the years. I give to Grade 9 Boys, um, Thoughts for Young Men by J.C. Ryle, was written, I forget how many years ago, but it seems like it was written yesterday, allows me to say some things that really challenge young men as they head into some formative years of their life, and then my wife and I, for almost the duration of our marriage, have been working through the um, J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts. Ah, it's those got are great little devotion. Volumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're wonderful, and we've really appreciated that over the seven and a half years of our marriage. Great. So uh, yeah, we're just getting up to John, and yeah. So we've just really appreciated J.C. Ryle, and so I read through that one. You got any more? You got a couple more books over there. Yeah, I'm really into like the whole theme of like my favorite read of the year is something that no one listening to this podcast will probably ever read, which is um, because they don't publish it anymore. Okay. I had to go and find this on like Thrift Books. And I paid way too much for a book that's only like 130 pages. But uh, it's called uh, Them He Glorified. It's a systematic study of God's final and concluding act in the great structure of divine redemption. We, you know, them, he, uh, he, he glorifies those that he saves, right? Uh, salvation is what we call eschatological. So um, it's got, um, we're not just saved for the present, but we, there's something to look forward to. We have a future hope right, that we will reign with Christ forever. And so um, a theologian um, who has made a big impact but isn't well known over the last hundred years, Bernard Ram, wrote about, yeah, 100, 150 pages or so on the whole topic of glorification in the scriptures. And I read that one because I read um, Crossway's putting out a series called Short Studies in Systematic Theology. They're, they're about 100, 130-page booklets on just one topic, so on like the Trinity. That's the best one, by the way. If you read the one on the Trinity by Scott Swain, unbelievable. I've, I've read it twice now. I'll probably read it again 
It's just, it is doxological. It makes you want to worship. Um, this one on glorification isn't like terrific, nothing against Graham Cole, but in his introduction, he says, no one's written on this topic. It's, he says, the last thing I can find is something written 60 years ago by Bernard Ram. That's the reason I bought this book. And uh, Bernard Ram, in his introduction, says, no one's written on this topic. The last thing I found, and I forget how many years wow. ago it was. So, but, but this is our hope mm -hmm. as Christians. So I've been just trying to delve into that a little bit more. Wonderful. Keep digging. Will do. One more? Nope. What do you, what did you read this last year? Uh, I will, uh, I'll focus on three in particular. Um, one book that I took almost the whole year to read, actually just a little bit more. My wife bought it for me, um, Christmas 2022. So just at the end, near the beginning of 2023. And I finished it on New Year's Eve of this, uh, of 2023. It's called You're Only Human by Kelly Capick. And uh, subtitle, How Your Limits Reflect God's Design and Why That's Good News. So I purposely, slowly read my way through this book over the last year, and I found it incredibly refreshing uh, just to recognize that God made us inherently to be dependent upon him, and our limitations are not connected necessarily to our fallen or sinful nature, even if we hadn't, we are still dependent creatures. So we were made that way, which means that we have limits. And that's good news for us because it helps us realize that we can't do everything. We can't know everything. And that we can go to God. And we should. And we must. And so it was just really helpful. He talks about things like Sabbath. He talks about our need for the body and the body's need for us, the body of Christ, that is. And uh, I just find it really helpful in a day where there's a lot of hustle and busyness and uh, just a lot of pressure to produce, create, perform, all those different types of things. It was really a, uh, just like, yeah, uh, water to my soul to be helped to think that through. Uh, I'll, I'll read the last paragraph. I think it gives a really good flavor of what the whole book is about for those who I would highly recommend it be read. He says at the end, Beloved, you and I are secure in the love of the Father, the grace of the Son, and the fellowship of the Spirit. May this security allow us to celebrate our limits as part of God's good work. May this security drive us back to our God, to one another, and even to our right dependence on the rest of creation. May this security encourage our work, liberate our rest, and free us to love and serve others. God made us to be limited creatures able to freely participate in his work, confident in his presence, and grateful for his promises and provision. Let us appreciate the goodness of our finitude as we rest in the love and provision of our infinitely good God. May it be so. Amen. So that would give you a good flavor for what you would be uh, in for if you were to read uh, Kelly Kebbeck's book, You're Only Human. So Grandview had him they this did. past April, and he spoke on that theme. And yeah. Brianna listened to his lectures or sessions and was so edified by them. So I'm sure if you go on Grandview Baptist's website, you can still find those in some way. And uh, he, Bree played some of the stuff for me, and it, it was, yeah, it was life-changing. It really is. It, you know, I've been trying to, th I've been thinking about this whole idea of productivity lately. I just read a book on productivity, and it wasn't a great book, but it got me thinking about some things. One, one of the things the author said was, um, 
productivity is not about efficiency. We make like big, huge lists and we're like, got to get all this done, right? But then we end up just doing all these things that we think are important because we put them on the list. He says that what's more important is focus. And I think this is kind of what Kapik is talking about. He's like, why, why don't we just focus on the things that are the main things because we're limited. We, we, we can't do everything. And if we try to, we run ourselves into the ground. Yeah, it's very helpful. It's, it's very timely for us because we live with a 24-7 news cycle. We get exposed to what's going on all over the world all the time. And it can just feel like a crushing load of, I need to respond to everything all the time. And we can't. And it's, so it's very liberating to realize we were actually made that way. And that's a good thing. And uh, it, it, there's so much that could be said about it. So uh, You're Only Human by Kelly Capic would be my number one uh, book that uh, I found super helpful. And I, again, one that I'll reread. And when all the, with all the books that are out there, uh, rereads have to meet a certain threshold for me to want to pick them up that's again. Right. Although I think it was Lewis who said he couldn't imagine someone enjoying a book and not reading it more than uh, reading it not reading it more than once. But uh, this would be one of those for me. Lewis was wrong at times. <laughs> he was. He was right too sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but, that's, uh, right. that's right. Uh, two other books I'll quickly mention. Um, I'll, I'll I'll start with this one because it may not be as relevant for everyone, but I just want to talk about the fact that it was extremely helpful to me. Uh, was a book called Pastoral Theology in the Classical Tradition. And it just took the writings of five different pastors throughout church history uh, from different centuries. And honestly, it felt like talking to friends or listening to friends and to you know, Greg, Gregory the Great and Chrysostom and Richard Baxter, like very like separated by hundreds of years, all reflecting on pastoral ministry. And man, those guys understood me. And they understood ministry. And it was just helpful to have them as conversation partners over the course of this year. And uh, some of their phrases, uh, some of their encouragements are just kind of sticking in my mind. That may sound a very particular book. Most people listening to this are not going to be pastors. But I know one member of our church who took the same course where that was an assigned book. And I do think that they found it helpful to recognize what it is that pastoral ministry is even though you're not a pastor so that you can better understand maybe what goes on in the life of your pastor how can you pray for your pastor or what is it like to be in that role in the life of a local church so uh the, what's good about the book is it's five different individuals so it's kind of short vignettes uh, all the way through and uh it was just again just good to see how the same word and the same spirit is operating in the same church just at different times and in different places. That's right. So I found that a very helpful book. Uh, and then the third one I absolutely loved was a book called One with Christ, An Evangelical Theology of Salvation. This was written by Marcus Peter Johnson, and it was all about the doctrine of union with Christ. So whenever we see in the scriptures in Christ, which is all over the place, uh, that's what that's referring to. And he says in the book, nothing is more central or basic than union and communion with Christ. Union with Christ is really the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. And if that's something that you're wondering why you've never heard it put that specifically before, or you're not really sure how you would articulate what union with Christ is or means, there'd be a really good reason pick up this book and to explore uh, the implications of what that is that we're actually joined to 
not a doctrine, uh, not prepositions, not, but to a person. We're united to Jesus Christ himself through faith. And by virtue of that, everything, justification, sanctification, the promise of glorification that you mentioned, uh, it's all ours mm -hmm. because we're joined with him. And so if you're reading through the scriptures, as you're reading through the scriptures, just notice, just look for in Christ. Just pay attention. Even just search it quick on Bible Gateway or on YouVersion or, and just note all of the places you find it in scripture. It is prolific, and there's good reason for that. And uh, as one pastor has said, you can't, Christian, get any closer to Jesus. Sure. Because you've been united yeah. to him. Like, you can't say, well, you know, I'm just further away from Jesus today. It, when it comes to your communion with Christ, there, there's something you can do there, right? Sure. Like, like, you can put up walls via your sin and stuff. But when it comes to your union with Jesus, you can't be any further apart from him than you were yesterday because, right. you know, the Spirit has bonded you to the living Savior. It's an amazing truth. It is an amazing truth. So it was wonderful to reflect and continue to reflect on that, I've recommended it to several people over the course of the year. Uh, some have taken up the book to read it themselves. I will say it is like there there are moments where you have to read slowly and, and thoughtfully, but it's a book that I stopped underlining and I stopped folding corners down. Like Caleb is horrified that I do this and that I don't underline with a ruler. <laughs> just had to tease you about that. Uh, I just I had to stop because it was like every... Yep. Every page, every mm -hmm. paragraph, I think it was so rich. So union with Christ uh, would be a great theme for you to consider in 2024 if you've not given much thought to it. That would have been my number one, but I only read three chapters, and I like, they've got lead all over them. They, so yeah, you <laughs> know what incredible. I mean? It's incredible. Yeah. It's a fabulous yeah. book. That's it for me. Uh, there's more I could say, but I'll leave it at three. You've got a good list of biographies there. If you want to borrow anything that we've mentioned, uh, we're happy to do that on pain of death if you don't return it to us. so. Uh, but seriously, if there's any ways that we can get some good resources into your hands, or if there are topics that you would like to read about that you don't know where to start, we're always perusing books. We're always uh, looking at what's coming. We're always giving things out. So uh, don't be shy. We would gladly help you take up and read some good books in 2024. Sean just bought 30 books. I did. So. I did. I just, they're ebooks though. So, you know, you're on your own for yeah, that. That's but, right. Can't uh, borrow that one. <laughs> yeah. But I did. I, and uh, I, I, we, one of the reasons I, I read, and I'm sure you do this as well, is we're constantly outputting. And so that's just one of the things that we do, whether it's one on one conversations with, with people, whether it's through preaching or teaching. Uh, there's always, there's always, we're always outputting. Uh, we're thinking, we're writing, we're creating, we're saying. And so if we're not regularly, engaging our heart mind strength in worship of god and in, uh, in knowing him and growing in the grace and knowledge of christ through the scriptures and through the means of good scriptural based resources we're going to dry up pretty fast and we're not going to be of really any service to anyone and so that's one of the reasons we keep inputting so we'll plan to read this year we'll probably do this again at either at the end of 2024 beginning 2025 if the lord hasn't come and uh, we'll just keep encouraging you to read. So thanks for listening. Hope it's been helpful.